Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. It is what it is, and I think every week's going to continue to prove that way. Um, again, we, we've just got to be better on the things that we can control. Again, it, it's that's that's on us. That's on me, really, as a play caller, to find ways to get this team in the end zone earlier in the game um, so that we can play better complimentary football as a team. Zach Taylor, coach of the Bengals, seeming very serene and calm about the dire situation his team is in at one and three they restored some hope last monday night with their win over the rams and then it all just got frittered away on sunday when they got dismantled 27 to 3 by the tennessee titans he was talking about joe burrow his ability to play i mean we know he's still got the calf injury he can't be the guy that he ordinarily is see they've made the decision we'll take one-legged joe burrow over two-legged Jake Browning. But what we're learning is, Chris, one-legged Joe Burrow isn't the same as one-legged Patrick Mahomes. No, no. I mean, he's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation where he's not healthy, okay, yes, but a little bit not too far off from Daniel Jones and the New York Giants and we just talked about. I don't know, you know, listen, if he was a little healthier, yeah, would he get out of harm's way a little bit more, maybe make them make make a play outside the pocket here and there? Sure. But still, I mean, their pass protection's embarrassing as well in every game. You know, now he just not able to move and make some magic happen to avoid a few hits and throw you know, and and sacks here and there. But, you know, what are the Bengals? What what is it? Tell, what do they do good? You know, that that's what I'd say right now. What what do you look at and go, oh, they're good at that and they're gonna be able to build on it, right? It this is this is different than last year. It is. 
You know, I think I said to you yesterday, yeah, it was five interceptions in that Steelers game, but they moved the ball up and down the field in week one last year. The Cowboys game wasn't that bad, right? This game, this, so far this year, it's, there's nothing to look at to go, ooh, they're close or they're about to turn the corner. And that's where I'm a little concerned with them. And, then, of course, with his health status, that makes it, you know, even twofold to be, to be more concerned about it. And it's not an issue of talent, at least not at the skill position no. or at the quarterback position. Now, again, the quarterback's not healthy. The offensive line has to do a better job. But you've got to color within the lines. If you're going to put Burrow out there, you've got to find a way to make it work with Burrow, who isn't the guy that he would be but for the impaired calf muscle muscle that he's trying to avoid aggravating. It's not just, I can't move because of this leg. If I try to do too much, I'm going to make it worse. And look, he's, he's got an elbow thing now. Who knows what all is going to show up on the injury report on Wednesday as we see where the, the Bengals quarterback is moving forward. So that's the calculated risk they took. They didn't want to fall to 0-3. Congratulations. But now they're 1-3. And... and they're never going to be the team they could be until Burrow is 100%. And how's he going to get to 100% if once a week, except for their bye, he's out there getting banged around, either aggravating old injuries or creating new ones? You can't get hit like that repeatedly and not eventually have something that gets inflamed or strained or sprained or torn or broken. No, exactly right. And to your point, they're too talented to be looking like this. They are. The three receivers they got, the running back they got, they paid, what, $16 million a year to Orlando Brown. Jonah Williams is a first-round tackle at right tackle. They paid money to the interior part of the O-line last year, and they've all been bad. I watch them every week because, you know, I get people want to know in my podcast what, what's going on with the Bengals, the big play Bengals. Joe Burrow is the coolest thing we've seen, you know, in the NFL in, in recent years here. Why, why does he look so ordinary? Why does Jamar Chase look so ordinary? And that's where it's hard to look at it right now. Yeah, he's injured. And then you go, wait, they, they can't protect. They can't run the ball. They're not very creative, as you've heard me say, right? They're not. It, it's very elementary as far as what they do on the offensive side of the ball that way. And when you combine all that together, that's when you get two out of your four games, you score only three points in them. And then the other two games are kind of just like, eh, that was okay offensively, but, you know, eh, that's all it really was. So that's where I, I worry about them. And I don't see – Anything to be real confident about to go, ooh, they're close or they're about to turn the corner. I'm, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm truly concerned about the Bengals here. They're at the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Then they have the Seahawks. Then they have their bye, which they desperately need. But after that, welcome back 49ers and Bills back-to-back weeks. So we're going to learn a lot about the Bengals over the next four games. They need this one desperately at Arizona, and then they've got three very difficult games. If they can't start digging out of this hole, they're going to start slipping away from the contenders pack in the AFC. Here's Jamar Chase, Bengals receiver, who had some comments that drew some attention regarding Joe Burrow playing through injury and more. Have a listen to Jamar Chase. 
Probably my first time seeing him through this injury, an injury like this, besides, you know, that knee. Um, but being on the team with him just the first time like that. So, you know, he's just going through a little adversity. He's going to be back good, you know, in no time. So, you know, the team keep fighting. Did, the team just said they were just going to blitz. It didn't seem like they were respecting anything. They were just, just going to blitz. Uh, uh, they did a little double-double hole and did a little blitzes on his own second and third down. Um, definitely sending blitzes on second and third. He did the whole game, actually. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't capitalize on those blitzes when they did them. And, you know, on our end, I guess the receivers didn't make enough plays. You know, in four games this season, do you feel like you've had less time to get open and create space for yourself? No, nah, I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
It's smart. You got to be self-aware. Yeah. Too many players are too stubborn when it comes to that. They think they can go do it, and it hurts the team. Remember a couple of years ago, Baker Mayfield, he had that entitlement mentality that even though he had no business playing, this is my job. I'll make the decision whether or not I'm going to play. I'm going to play. This is my job. I'm not coming off the field. Brett Favre was that way. Didn't want to have happen to him what he did to Don Mikowski in 1992. I'm never coming off the field. I'm never giving anyone an opportunity to do the job better than me. So I go out there and I do the job maybe not as well as I could or as well as the backup could because I'm impaired. So I, I credit Deshaun Watson for having the self-awareness. The caveat is this. When you say Friday, I'm playing. Yeah, that's right. When your teammates right. believe you're playing. Yeah. When, even though the backup, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, got the reps that Deshaun Watson didn't take in practice because he was limited all week, you're still not fully prepared if you don't believe you're playing. If the starter is saying, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, then you get to Sunday morning, and it's like, uh, I don't think I can play. That's a curveball that comes in a little too late for the backup to be ready. And I'm not saying it was intentional that Sean Watson did a rope-a-dope with Dorian Thompson-Robinson and his teammates to protect his own turf. Like, if I, hey, if I'm not going to play, I'm going to wait as long as possible so this kid's not ready because if he comes in and plays well, what are they going to do with me? Well, you know what they're going to do, Deshaun? They're going to keep paying you because your contract's fully guaranteed. That's what they're going to do. they got no choice but to keep you as the quarterback of the team, so don't worry about that. But that's the, the other side of this because he said Friday to reporters – I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm playing. And the team, I think, believed that. The players believed that. So to have that happen so close to kickoff kind of throws everything for a little bit of a loop, potentially. That, that would be my concern. I like the mature decision because most players can't be sufficiently self-aware to do it. But, but don't bluster all week that you're going to play and then all of a sudden, oh, I don't think I can do it. I, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. Now, like, hey, it's on the coaching staff and DTR no matter what to go, hey, we we, we got to be ready here. We got to be ready no matter what. Don't care what he says. We don't know. Right? Deshaun Watson, I will say, too, and we know this, and this is why I'm not going to question anything right now. I mean, he got beat to crap a lot of years in Houston. I mean, with no pass protection, and we, you know, you used to hear me say all the time, right? I mean, hey, every game, every play is like the last play of the Super Bowl. I mean, he puts himself in harm's way, you know, unlike any other quarterback in the game there for a while. He is the guy that, what, had like the, was it the punctured lung or whatever else, and he drove in a car from Houston to Jacksonville to play in a football yeah. game, right? Yep. So I'm yep. not, I'm not going to question Deshaun Watson in this department. I'm not. Now, you know, yeah, he gave a little false hope. But I also, you know, putting myself in Deshaun Watson's shoes, I bet you as the week was going, he thought he was going to be able to play. You know, you get to, okay, whoa, I'm hurt on a Monday. Oh, Tuesday it feels a little bit better. Oh, Wednesday I'm feeling pretty good. It's feeling a little bit better. Thursday, all right. All right, yeah, I think I'm going to be able to play. But then at times with injuries like this, you kind of like plateau off. And then that's where I'm not going to question it. You know, I think he's a guy that, that wants to play and wants to be great. 
So that's where I look at it, and they go, you know, then, then hey, you get to a Saturday, and you go, oh, wait, damn, it didn't really get much better than this, you know, overnight, this night. And then Sunday, oh, man, it's kind of the same again. And then you throw a few footballs, and you start to go, yeah, I'm medically cleared. There's nothing broken. There's nothing torn. But I don't have the same control or power in my arm, right? And, you know, when you're making $45 million a year and you're the quarterback and all that, people then start to look at it and question it. But I'm not ready to question Deshaun Watson in this department yet. I know that. Well, and with, in all candor, it doesn't matter whether you will. It doesn't matter whether I will. No, I know. The question is, yeah. what are the guys in the locker room That's think? right. How do they think it was handled? I know. Do they have questions uh-huh. that need to be resolved by Deshaun Watson to the coaching staff? Because something went That's sideways. where his comment hurts him. If, because the locker room now thinks, wait, right. are you protecting yourself like you're better than us? Or were you really hurt or whatever and you were just hopeful you were going to play? And that, yes, to your point there, there's no doubt about it. That'll make the, cl- the locker room question, wait, what went down there? Was that just like he's protecting himself and he didn't want to put himself out there? Or was it legit that like he couldn't be anywhere cl- close to 100% and he was trying to do the better for the team? And that's what the locker room's going to have to figure out on their own. Well, and when the contrast is Joe Burrow with – an impaired leg doing whatever he has to do to help the team win, even though he's putting himself at risk of aggravation and further injury. This is just, is Deshaun Watson able to throw like he ordinarily does? And again, it's about, as I used this phrase earlier, coloring within the lines. You, you, okay. My arm isn't what it always is. What can I do today? Yeah. Let's pick the plays that let me do the things I can do. They don't know my arm isn't fine. They don't know. I'm not going to be throwing it 70 yards down the field. They don't know that that I've got this limitation or that limitation. We just go out and do the things I can do. Let's adjust on the fly and do what I feel comfortable doing. And I'm out there and I'm playing and I'm with my teammates. I'm earning my money. And, again, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying from the standpoint of the men in the locker room who play through all sorts of stuff all the time and don't have the luxury of saying – you know, oh, well, even though I'm medically cleared, I just don't feel right today. Like, how many guys get the – Chris, really, in the NFL, how many guys get – if you're medically cleared, you get your ass out there. Yeah. You get your ass out there. That's the attitude most guys face. No doubt. Not many have that special little – well, even though you're medically cleared, we'll give you the, the ability to make your own decision. I'm surprised Kevin Savansky spoke about it so candidly. And I can't help but wonder whether there's a little Well, that would be passive aggressive. Yeah, like, that would be the thing you this? question. Exactly. That that would be the thing you question, right? That to me is the thing that I certainly conspiracy Chris working with conspiracy Florio it's like not even conspiracy. No, I know. I know. But if Why we're reading into Why are you saying this to the world? Yes. That that's 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 certainly when when you when you see the development of that Sunday and yesterday and all that you start to go, wait, why are they making it so clear that he was medically cleared? You know, when, when usually when stuff like that is said, it's because they're maybe trying to put the public pressure on him or they're going, damn, we, we think he could have played and he decided not to. And so that's where, you know, that question, you know, comes from. And, and I understand that because we, we've seen that before in the NFL and connected those dots and there's been some truth to it. 
Uh, so I, you know, again, that's where we're going to probably hear about it as the week goes on or next week, or, you know, through people you hear in the NFL, we'll, we'll, it'll finally filter out the truth there a little bit. And again, if this Deshaun Watson thing doesn't ultimately work for the Browns this year, he ain't getting fired. Stefanski is. So at some level, I can understand why he's a little frustrated that he didn't have his guy out there at least try to win that game, try to do something, try to play through it, try to get this thing continuing in the right direction. And look, they're still 2-2. Two and two, Yeah. And their defense is awesome. And I think if Deshaun Watson's healthy, good chance they win that game on Sunday. They got a bye week but this week. Curious. Yes. Gives Watson a chance to get healthy. Miles Garrett's day-to-day with a foot injury. But, but Stefanski knows that, that the stakes are high for him personally this year. And for him to say that as candidly as he did, I think is significant. And I'm sure the Browns would try to downplay it. And again, I told you the way it was characterized to me when we're in that blender of, okay, who's injured? What's going on? The team told me it was a collective decision, which seems to conflict with what Kevin Stefanski is saying. So there's something up here. There's something going on. And maybe some would say we're splitting hairs. Sometimes, sometimes the truth resides in the middle of that hair that you have to split. Sometimes there's something that you learn when you split that hair. So uh, anyway, that's what's going on with the Browns. The Steelers have a quarterback who's injured as well. Kenny Pickett, we said on Football Night in America, there was some concern about the MCL, and there was. It turns out it's a bone bruise that could result in a short-term absence. We heard bone bruise a few weeks ago in connection with Travis Kelsey. Uh, and we don't know what the consequence is going to be. It looked bad at first, so could be a short-term absence. We'll see. Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback until Kenny Pickett is good to go, Chris. But uh, we were concerned about concussions with Kenny Pickett. Now we see there's a, a knee injury that, that needs to be managed, needs to be resolved, and could be out for a while until he's back to 100%. Yeah, stinks for the Steelers, right? I mean, we're certainly not ready to sit here and go, oh, hey, well, that's Steelers offense. It's such a high-functioning machine. They'll be okay. I mean, <clears throat> no, they need Kenny Pickett. He's obviously their best quarterback. His movement and some of the things he did, does that way <clears throat> save them a lot of times. Excuse me. Right? We saw that in the Sunday night football game. He made some runs. You know, He gets outside the pocket. You know, that, that's been one of their few avenues of offensive success. So, yeah, this is something to be concerned about. And then it's not a Steelers dominant, like, oh, we're going to be a top five defense in the NFL type of football team either. So between some of the issues they got there, right, no Deontay Johnson, run game still not that damn good, offense isn't creative, they don't protect all that great, and now you're missing your starting quarterback, yeah, you're a little worried about Pittsburgh Steelers if you're a Steelers fan. Ravens coming to town this weekend, and the Steelers have a bye, so it could be Mitch Trubisky for Lamar Jackson and company. Boy, the Ravens drawn a couple of lucky cards here the past two weeks. Right. They go from Dorian Thompson-Robinson to Mitch Trubisky in the division as they fatten up their record trying to recover from that surprising loss to the Colts in Week 3. We're going to take a break. When we return, which offenses are finding their groove through four weeks? We will play a game of word association next on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected 
the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta, because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And my superlative is a bird of a different feather. Oh. Oh. I don't even know. What does that mean? I don't even know. Birds of a feather flock together. Right. Like the same, like you never see robin, sparrow, blue jay, eagle. A bird of a different feather is a thing, okay? What is now? I'm an accidental idiot, okay, like (laughs) you said, and an accidental scholar every now and then. But the point being the Atlanta Falcons and Bijan Robinson. Damn it, there is one. Damn, I told you. I know. I don't know what it means, but I knew I heard it before, so that's why I went with it. Listen, I went to school again. I went to school. I learned some stuff. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That was last Monday when the COVID virus was duplicating within my system, unbeknownst to me. And I don't even remember any of that. We do need to spread out a little bit more. It's it's good that we don't have the 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 you know any words that I don't want to say them out of respect for any first graders maybe getting ready for school, but it's good that you're all scared no, today. No Look creative, yeah, no creative words can be created. Th- this is one thing I've learned about you. All right. So I like my job. When I'd like you to do good it. in when you do good in picks and I do bad, you bring it up. If it's the other way around, you go crazy and you say, I don't want to hear about it. Okay. Then the other thing is you've had weeks here where you've said the S word like five times in the first segment. You don't apologize to anybody. Oh, I don't hear any emails from grandma or grandpa. About. And then I say one damn word. And you're going to point it out and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. Oh, he's out of control today. He's out of control. You're, you're unbelievable that way. <laughs> it, it was. It was the, uh, the queen mother of dirty words, as Ralphie once said. Yes, so it was. I know. The S word and the F word, two different things. Two different categories. I remember the first time I came home and asked my mother what that word is because I heard it at school. Kids got to learn sometimes. That's right. I didn't get in huge trouble. I got in more trouble when I when I asked her about the Italian equivalent. I don't know why I got in more trouble for that. I guess she figured by that age I was like 13 I should have known and that I was just messing with her. All right, let's mess with some of these offenses. Word association time 
and whatever words you think of other than the ones we've just, you know, apologized for using. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. What's the first word that comes to mind that can be said in mixed company? A, a pleasant surprise. I think that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect from this offense this year. I did. And not that it's like I'm looking at it and going, whoa, you know, they're a real juggernaut. Watch out. But I think they've surpassed my expectations. I'll say that. You know, Baker's been really good taking care of the football. When there's plays to be had, he's making them. And I think the other thing that just jumps out to me is I thought their offensive line was going to be, you know, the thing to look at and go, ooh, man, he might be under so much pressure. They might not be able to protect at all or do anything that way. And they've been pretty good in pass protection. So that's where I'll say pleasant surprise. They're not a, like an awesome functioning machine. But they make the plays when they're there to be had, and, and he's been taking care of the football, and they've been showing up at the right time. That's what I'll say about them. I'll say encouraging. <clears throat> right. And I, I say it's encouraging because here's the reality. We're four weeks in now. They've got enough film to figure out what they're doing well and how to try to stop them and how to put pressure on Baker Mayfield, maybe get him to do things he's not comfortable doing, things he doesn't want to do jump a route, see a tendency, whatever. But four to six weeks is usually the sweet spot. New offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Now there's enough out there that maybe they can figure out, maybe crack the code and force them to do things they don't want to do. And can they do those things? So it's encouraging so far, but we'll see going forward. Three and one, first place all alone in the NFC South. Jaguars offense, what do you say about them? Well, I'm going to say like, you know, I guess the phrase I want to use here is really close, right? They're close. I see light at the end of the tunnel, all right? I do. I look at it, and, like, I looked at the, the game against the Texans two weeks ago when they when they lost to them. Uh, there there was some things to be happy about. I mean, they, they, they can run the ball. Their protection's not perfect, right? But they've had some self-inflicted mistakes, and done some dumb things, whether it's an interception, a fumble, you know, a strip sack, the red zone issues they had against the Kansas City Chiefs where, okay, they moved the ball a little bit, but then they can't finish the job, right? And then, hey, they played an Atlanta defense last week. That's damn good. Damn good. So I know the results and rankings aren't where the Jaguar fans want them, but like, unlike a team like the Bengals or the Giants, where we earlier were like, I don't see anything to latch on to here, I look at the Jaguars and go, no, no, Trevor Lawrence is seeing the field pretty damn well. The ball's coming out of his hand clean, right? They're just a team that hasn't quite put it all together with consistency through four quarters, but I think it's coming is what, I, what I'm saying here. Sluggish is my word, okay. just because the expectations yeah. were so high. We were led to believe and concluded independently that Trevor Lawrence was on the cusp of entering the franchise quarterback conversation and being among the top five in the NFL. And he hasn't played that way so far this year. There's just something missing with this team. They haven't built on what they did last year. And, you know, even on Sunday against the Falcons, like there wasn't anything that made you go, ooh, there's just nothing about the Jaguars offense that gets you excited. It just feels like it, it just like 
it's like you get a new pair of shoes and you really like it and you put them on and they just like there's something that doesn't yeah right. no that's that's right and you really don't want to wear them right it's like i'm kind of disappointed like this isn't what i thought it was going to be I just don't think the Jaguars are what I thought they were going to be. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not going to give up on them yet, though. They are a young team. We know that. They're kind of like learning how to handle expectations a little. There's talent still. And, hey, they're still getting a guy in Calvin Ridley. I don't care what you say. Like we talk about all the time, you don't play football for a year. You you can't just expect, I don't care who you are, you're going to jump in and just be the man. So I think he's finding his way a little bit. He's had some big drops and some moments here and there. Right. But but I, I, I don't know. For them, I feel like I think it's going to turn the corner. I feel like that. We'll see. That's what the future will tell us here as, as we go on. Jaguars two and two, along with every other team in the AFC South wide open. Watch the Texans. They were 0 two. Now they're two and two. And they've got a pretty damn good quarterback there in C.J. Stroud. All right. Patriots offense as bad as it could get last year what words come to mind and this is one where i have to specifically remind you no profanity when describing the patriots offense (laughs) okay i just like it's just average like that's where i'm i'm just what is there to look at and go ooh, i like this part or that part or this guy scares me it's just everything is across the board. They're they're I you know maybe I should say below average. They can't run the ball effectively. They're not great at pass protecting. They're having to rely on Mac Jones like he's Josh Allen or Mahomes. That's not a good thing. They don't have much firepower at wide receiver, right? I mean, they're 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 just kind of lost in like mediocrity. I guess that's maybe the the word I should say. Lost in mediocrity. It's just they do everything like okay, but there's nothing they do good at all. And I don't think there's anybody on that offense that anybody's scared about when they game plan for the New England Patriots. You eventually got to the word that I was going to use, mediocrity. And let me tell you something. Mediocrity is not going to cut it in New England. We talked about this yesterday. And I know that Bill Belichick deserves respect for his six Super Bowl championships. I understand that. He's done great things. He's one of the great coaches of all time. But, but, and we've never seen this before, where you've got greatness for such an extended period of time and then mediocrity. Mediocrity cuts it nowhere in the NFL. Mediocrity will get you fired. You've got to, at some point, accidentally trip into playoff contention in your first four or five years, or you're done. Since 2018, they haven't won a playoff game. Last year, the offense was a disaster because of his decision to entrust it to Matt Patricia. Yeah. This year, even with Bill O'Brien riding in on the white horse, it's really not any better. And and Bill Belichick's the guy that picked Mac Jones. See, this is the problem of being in charge of personnel. You get a bad quarterback, or at least a quarterback that isn't as good as we thought he was going to be, even though he was a pro bowler. In, in his rookie season, it's just not there. And the offense isn't there. And Bill Belichick's not going to be there if this continues. So mediocrity is the key word, Chris, but that's a troubling word if you're concerned about job security in New England. Well, it, it, it you know, in a lot of ways or, or some ways kind of feels like uh, it feels like it did like with Don Shula towards the end, right? I'm not trying to be smart or whatever, but that's what I kind of think of when I think about 
the Patriots and Belichick. Chuck Noll too. You know Chuck what I mean? Noll. Yeah, a little bit like that, where you're just like, hey, it's not bad, but it's just it's not good enough, and it's certainly not what it used to be, right? And that's kind of what I look at, where it's like, yeah, they're there, they're competitive, but there's nothing to look at to go, well, I think they can really turn the corner here and be damn good or special or be a real player in the AFC. I don't see any of that from the Patriots. Don Shula had Dan Marino yeah. toward the end, right. which made it easier sure. for the Dolphins to keep going. The Roonies were extremely loyal and grateful to Chuck Knoll for everything he did to transform a moribund franchise, and he did single-handedly. Not, I mean, he had help, Bill Nunn and the Roonies who were involved, and they all worked together, and they found great players, and Chuck Knoll coached them up, and they won four Super Bowls, and that gave him an extended runway on the back end. The NFL was different then than it is now. There is an expectation. The fans are impatient. There's too many different things we can do with our time. And Robert Kraft is not going to tolerate this. He's already said it. The comments are already out there. This doesn't require reading of tea leaves. All it requires is eyes, ears, and a functioning brain. He's already put Belichick on notice. I wrote about this last night. I found the question, and I found the answer. He had every opportunity to say, Bill Belichick has earned the ability to stay here as long as he wants. If he wants to catch Don Shula, he's staying here until he catches Don Shula. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. I want to win. It's important to win and get to the playoffs. If they don't get to the playoffs, barring some sort of a change of heart or, you know, like the guy who who gets to the door of the plane with the parachute on and decides not to jump. I mean, maybe Robert Kraft won't go through with it. The idea of being the one to push Bill Belichick out of the plane but it's already out there. He's already on notice. And this offense, mediocre, not nearly good enough to satisfy the standard of the New England Patriots. Let's take a break. When we return, Christian McCaffrey is off to an historic start to the season. Could he be the first MVP at the running back position since Adrian Peterson 11 years ago? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. What can you say about uh, the great day that uh, Christian McCaffrey had? Yeah, he's a freak. Um, he does everything for us, obviously. Can run the ball, uh, can run routes out of the backfield, can line up as a receiver and run routes. Um, he does everything, man, so we're thankful for him. He's a dog. He, he takes you know some hits, but, um, man, he, he just keeps going, and um, all you got to do is get the ball to that guy in space, and he does the rest. So very thankful to be playing for him or with him. Brock Purdy talking about Christian McCaffrey. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that trade. Remember, it happened on a Thursday night. It didn't happen like right after a game or during a game or something like that. The Panthers trade McCaffrey to the 49ers, and he has been phenomenal. He's had that injury-prone label attached to him. It's unfair. Every running back is injury-prone. The position is prone to getting injured because you're getting hit from every possible direction, every possible time. The rarest of the rare are the ones who don't get injured under those circumstances. And McCaffrey has stayed healthy, and he's been effective. He's got touchdowns in 13 straight games. That breaks a record that was set by Jerry Rice in 1987 for the longest streak in 49ers franchise history with a touchdown. And Chris, he is now making a move up the list of odds to win MVP. Josh Allen, the current favorite at plus 380. But look at the movement from Christian McCaffrey. He went from 150 to 1 before the season started. And now, here we go. He's down to 20 to 1. Yeah. Just systematically 
More and more people are betting on Christian McCaffrey to win MVP, and for good reason. He's yeah. getting it done. Right. Yep. And if the 49ers end up with the one seed mm-hmm. in the NFC, yep. it's either going to be him or Brock Purdy. And right now it would be McCaffrey over Purdy. And Purdy is just behind McCaffrey in the odds. And maybe they would split votes, but I don't know. I think between the two right now, you, you would have to go on the side of McCaffrey. Yeah, well, yeah, and we know that the, the – the the award is way too favored to the quarterbacks, right? I mean, we understand quarterback is is vital. I get all that, right? But this is one here where you go, no, 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 no. The 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 straw that stirs the drink with the 49ers football team is Christian McCaffrey. Purdy's really good. There's no doubt about that. I, I'm I'm not trying to disrespect him in any way, but I mean, McCaffrey is phenomenal. I mean, again, I just – he's runs routes like a high-level, unbelievable Julian Edelman receiver. And then, of course, he's a running back to the which the likes, you know, he's he's special. He's a superstar. You don't see people made like this. And I, I, I think I told you I, I was on Dan Patrick last week, and he asked me who I thought the September MVP was. And I said Tua and Christian McCaffrey. Right, and I think he was a little surprised by it, but man, I mean, th- I, I they're they're riding McCaffrey hard. The whole offense is dictated around him right now. Uh, I worry it's a little too much. That's what one thing I get scared of. But he certainly should be in the MVP conversation. And I think you know, you look at Josh Allen and what he did last week and kind of outplaying Tua and all that. Yeah, he'd probably be the guy in the leader house right now. We know that, but McCaffrey deserves to be right towards the top of the list here. The formula has become quarterbacks from one of the two top seeds. It's one of the two. So it really doesn't matter until we get to the end of the season, we know who the top seeds are. But if the 49ers are the top seed in the NFC, I think McCaffrey, if he stays healthy and effective, he nudges out Brock Purdy. Okay, football historian, there have been four MVPs who play running back this century. Four. Can you name them? Oh, this century right here. Mm. Wow. This century, since okay. 2000. All right, so Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson, right? There's two. Um, wow. Early on in the – who am I missing here? I'm, 2000. 2000. 2000. Oh, so that might have been – that was Marshall Falk, right? Um, okay, you got one more. All right. You got one more. And then, man – who am I? Need mi- a hint? Yeah, I need a hint. Go ahead. Do you need a hint? Team may have played last night. Does that help? His team may have played last night. Oh, you're right. Sean Alexander, 2005 MVP. Right. Good job. Thanks for that. That 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 one. I would have had a. I would have took me a little while. I was definitely going to choke. You know, in front of the camera and the bright lights right there. So yeah, there we go. Four of them right yeah, there. No idea it was coming. Yeah. I'm happy to give you the hint. That was unplanned. I just I saw it. When I was looking to see when running backs have won it recently, and again, it's been 11 years since a running back has won. All right. Uh, By the way, the MVP odds come courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. More PFT Live right after this. Arthur, what what goes into the process of, you know, 
uh, when you're trying to figure out if a change at quarterback is required. There's a fine line between always jerking the wheel and making a guy more hesitant, and you got to make the best decision for your team going forward. You know, if you, if you think that the biggest issue is making a change, then that's what you have to do. You know, nobody's going to sit there and do the same thing over and over. Right? That's uh, whether it's true or not. Right? That's one of the definition, definitions of insanity that gets credited. But it's, you understand that you don't want to be stubborn that way. And then the fine line you objectively look at it is it just you know, you're, you're now you're talking about putting it all on one person. There's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. I think the Arthur Smith mustache is so bad it's good. It's like a Don't it's you? like he's a movie character. Like I said, he looks like he just should be like part of the crew and Inglorious Bastards to me almost. It should be like one of those guys. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it's the mustache craze is everywhere. Rogers, Kelsey, we got to it, It's the new thing, and, and I'm not sure I really like it all that much. But you know, so be it. Who cares what I think? I went three days without shaving during COVID isolation, and uh, I, I I considered it, but uh, again, more salt than pepper at this point, so probably not. Okay, uh, neither salt nor pepper nor really any flavor to the Falcons' offense at this point, even though there were high expectations entering the season. Desmond Ritter, the guy at the middle of it all, Smith says he's going to remain the starter. How much longer? Do you ride with Desmond Ritter when you've got a guy in Taylor Heineke who has proven he can do it and you've got all those weapons? At what point do they consider pivoting, if at all? Do Or did you, or did you just think if they stick with Ritter, eventually the light's going to come on and he's going to get better? You know, we've talked about this in the past. They love his intangibles and they're trying to will him toward the tangibles. I, I agree there, right? And, you know, the, I, I give them credit because they're a team that doesn't, you know, they try to not make it all about the quarterback, right? They try to win with their football team. That's who they are, right? But, yeah, it, it's, it, it does feel like that. And, and you know, I, I like their patience, but I, I, I certainly was like, hmm, they're going to be having some tough conversations on Monday or, you know, yesterday, right? Uh, they got it. That conversation had to be discussed in the coaches' meeting about wait, are we going to stick with him here? Are we seeing things we like as far as progress or are, are, do we need to make a change? And I would think they had those conversations. And as I told you yesterday during the show, uh, I thought with this London game, I was driving to NBC at halftime, and I, as I was driving, I was going, well, I'm, when I get there, Tyler Heineke might be in the game. They, they might have to pull Desmond Ritter. It's hard to win the way they're playing right now. They have no passing game. And, of course, last week was not good against the Jaguars. The week before that against the Lions was not good. The Packers game, the stats look okay. It wasn't very good. And the Packers dropped about six interceptions in the first two and a half quarters of the game. So that's that's the other thing. It has not looked good to the point where there's plays and throws he makes where you just go, whoa, I don't know if he knows what he's seeing out there, right? You, I think you've heard me and Jason Garrett even say that as we're watching Desmond Ritter a little bit. There's some things that go beyond like, oh, that's just a young guy making a mistake. Like throwing a hitch route into cover two corner is like, whoa, you're not seeing anything. And that's where it's a little concerning. But they're going to stick with it and see where it goes. Uh, but I would think he's he's officially on notice there in Atlanta, Mike. 
one of the things that makes sense to pay attention to in situations like this, how the team's official website, owned and operated by the franchise, covers the organization. When you look at the news feed on the Falcons' website right now, here's a headline. Lost to Jacksonville continues to show a stagnant Falcons offense. Here's another. Why Falcons being 2-2 two and two after playing stretch of tough teams doesn't feel like a positive development. And that's not necessarily a shot across the bow for Ritter. That's a shot across the bow for Johnny Mustache. And that's why the stakes are high here. If you don't make a change and inject some life into the team, I think that Arthur Smith, who is a very smart guy, he should be picking up some some blinking red lights from some of this criticism that's trickling into the team-owned web operation as a sign that, you know what, Arthur Blank has been very patient. Arthur Blank is a very patient man until the moment he no longer is. And boy, it's starting to feel like it's moving in that direction. And if you don't change to a quarterback who can make something better happen, that may be the end result, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. <clears throat> they Someone's got to change in a hurry. It's definitely the downfall of their football team. And it's 2023 where we see one thing. Passing game's important and having you know receivers – uh, uh, all the good teams got good receivers for the most part and really put you in a bind. And Atlanta can't take advantage of any of that. The quarterback, I think, one, doesn't trust himself and what he's seeing. Two, right, he's an NFL average thrower. And I think that he he is a little, at times, reluctant to go, no, no, like we always talk about, like, no, that's open. You, He's got to throw that. And they're being passed down to go, wait, I'm looking for more wide open. And it's like, no, no, that was open. You got to do it there. And then I will say this, too, in his defense. You know, they got big guys in Pitts and Drake London who were not necessarily, like, separate from people and and create huge separation that way either. So I will defend him in that sense. But, damn, something's got to change for that Atlanta Falcons offense. It can't just be about, oh, we're going to run the ball on everybody every week, and that's how we're going to win football games. Here's the key moving forward, what to watch and what to listen for. Open locker room, what quotes are going to come out when reporters start asking about quarterback? And will there be a sense that there's a push for Taylor Heineke? Will someone say something that will lead us to believe there may be a schism in the locker room building as the players just want to win games? And are they fully behind Ritter? Are some of them going to get behind Heineke? Do some of them just want change because they need something different than what they've had? That's what we need to watch as we move forward with the Falcons season. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, week four statement draft, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, any of the games we saw, the biggest statements of the week, we'll draft them next here on PSP Live. Congrats on the win. Um, how does the hand feel, and can you run through what happened on the play? It got hurt. Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, it's just a bit of scratch, uh, just flesh wound, and um, just got stuck in helmet. But uh, thankful for all the doctors and all the trainers out there to you know help me get through that. Actually, flesh wound, or are you just quoting my That was just a quote. Okay, so it's, <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't quote you as saying flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't have all the details right now. <laughs> 
Justin Herbert with the very subtle, low-key, tis but a flesh wound, tis but a scratch. That's uh, <laughs> that's from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I believe. Yes? Is that, I, I think love you Monty might be Python. right. I just can't keep it all straight. Life of Brian, Monty Python, and uh, what was the one? What was the one in the 1980s, early 80s with Mr. Creosote? Uh, God, I can't remember the name of it. The Meaning of Life. Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Lots of great Monty Python stuff out there, but kudos to Justin Herbert. And I- I'm told that when he said that, half of the reporters got it, and the other half had no idea what the hell he was talking about. So well done, <laughs> Justin Herbert. Okay. Week four statement, and we used to do this on Monday, and maybe we will again. There's just so much to talk about on Mondays. It fits better on Tuesday and allows us to encompass the entire week. So, Chris, all the way back to Thursday, anything you got, go. Well, I'm going to go to Sunday. That's where I'm going. And I'm going to – excuse me. I'm getting getting a little something stuck in my throat there. Excuse me. But um, the Buffalo Bills, they made the statement of the weekend – I mean, and then on top of that, I mean, to me, maybe more specific, Josh Allen. But the Buffalo Bills made a statement like, oh, hey, um, everybody, um, yeah, we're still the kings of the AFC East. I know you like the Dolphins and all their fast tricks and toys and all that. But, you know, we're the ones that won the division two years in a row. Is it two years in a row or is it three years in a row? But Three. Three, three. years in a row, right. And then I think on top of that, I said Josh Allen, too, because I think Josh Allen was a little bit like, um, yeah, I'm still one of the best players in football. Let's not forget about that. He is incredible. And it's three weeks in a row since that opening night debacle where he has played awesome football, and that's why we just talked about two segments ago. He's, he's in the leader house as far as the MVP favorite right now. At the risk of being accused of recency bias, I'm going to go with the Seahawks defense. Yeah. But how can you not? 11 sacks, one of the most dominant performances we have seen in recent years by a defense in a single game, swarming Daniel Jones and the Giants offense, leaving them with no options, no answers. As you were saying earlier, Chris, four-man rush on multiple occasions. Unbelievable what they were able to do with uh, the Giants offense. And I think any offense last night would have had a hard time dealing with that Seahawks defense. 11 sacks, franchise record. One short of the league record for a single game. Well done, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that, that, that how could you not, you know, give them a little love and what they did, right? I mean, that was phenomenal. It really was. It was a total butt whooping, dominant effort by that defense, and uh, certainly I think showed us the potential and how scary they can be there. I'm going to go with another defense, a team we kind of talked about, but I'm going back to Thursday. I am because the Detroit Lions. You want to talk about one of the miraculous turnarounds in one season you'll ever see. I mean, that defense was sucky ducky last year. They were 32nd in football, and it was, you know, like, yeah, it's not really close. Now, we know they got it together a little bit at the end of the year, but it still wasn't great, all right? To be now, what are they? I just want to make sure I got this right. The sixth-ranked defense, the fourth-ranked defense in football, right? And then, you know, nobody can run on them to this point of the year, uh, they're big up front, and they match up with everybody. So I, I, the Lions defense has put the statement out that they're real and they're here to stay, and they're going to be in that top 10 conversation all year. Five sacks, two interceptions. Aaron Jones had 18 rushing yards. A- uh, A.J. Dillon had 11. They actually brought in James Robinson for a workout yesterday in Green Bay to try to get that running game a little bit better. I'm going to go with my, my, my new favorite, Puka Nakua. What he's done – 
is incredible. What he did on Sunday was incredible. Nine catches, 163 yards, the game-winning touchdown. The most catches, most yards through four games for any rookie in NFL history just kind of stepped right in. Cooper Cup, unable to play. Puka steps right in and is one of the huge reasons that the Rams are where they are right now. A lot of us had the Rams at the bottom of the league, and they're working their way up, and they're a force to be reckoned with in the NFC. We, we know the great teams. We don't know where the Rams are going to be. Health has a lot to do with it. But the Rams could, could uh, continue to change people's minds with performances like we've seen from Puka Naku. We're going to take a break. We'll do the final round when PFT Live concludes right after this. Statement draft week four. One round to go. There are the picks we've got so far. Chris, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go to the king, okay? The king's back, right? And that's all hail King Henry. Uh, he, he, that was a Sunday statement. Uh, the, again, Derrick Henry, what are we in? Year nine? Year nine? And you see, if you give him a little space or a hole to run through, He's still a top-notch running back in the NFL. I mean, he is truly a weapon. Still has speed to run away from people. I'm amazed by that. Of course, he's big and powerful, and then he's got a pretty damn good right arm to throw some touchdown passes every now and then. Statement Sunday by the king, Derrick Henry. 22 carries, 122 yards, a touchdown, and that touchdown pass. Last one for me. I want to do combo C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans because together what they did to the Steelers, Mm -hmm. 30-6. to I mean, the Steelers were 2-1, and and I know the Steelers, it felt a little fugazi, but still they were 2-1. And And they performed against a great defense. And Ryans, a defensive guy, able to throttle the Pittsburgh offense, and you put it together, and this is going to happen. You know, the Steelers need weird stuff to happen to win games. And they can make weird stuff happen, but there was nothing weird that happened on Sunday. They just got their asses kicked. Yes, they did. Stroud is awesome. It's official. I mean, he is really, really good. Not just a rookie that's like, okay, he's awesome. That's it for today. Thanks for some of your time. See See you, Mike. See ya. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.